Hello, fantasy disc golf fans, and welcome to Chill Disc Days, a sports ethos presentation. I am your host, Matthew Williams, and you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Chilliams and Instagram at Chill Disc Days. And I would like to officially welcome you to episode number 21 of Chill Disc Days. And on today's show, we have the Las Vegas Challenge review. Going to be looking at some hot waiver ads. It's going to be, you know, the first week after after draft day. So this will be a big week to really evaluate your roster and and put in some bids on some high target waiver ads that we will be looking at. We're going to have some buy lows and sell highs and get into some of the the results of the picks that we made for the Las Vegas challenge as well as have some reactions for the content creators league draft that was done last week. But before we get too into all of that, I think we got to start off the show really getting into strategy on locking in our lineups and touching a base a little bit about that initial LVC preview. Starting off with the uh, last Las Vegas challenge preview, I'm going to make a a little analogy to kind of how I play uh, (laughs) disc. So, you know, when you get out, uh, play disc, maybe it's been a long week. Uh, You get out on the weekend, start off, and uh, I usually start off getting a little bit of putting practice, but not too much throwing. So when I usually start off my round, I usually give myself two throws on the first one and take the better of the two. So I'm doing a little analogy on this one. I'm calling that LVC preview my first throw. All right. We're going to do a mulligan. It was theoretically an, an early release, you know. Um, had to get it out a few days before the Las Vegas challenge um, with the drafts coming up. So, you know, I totally missed, you know, first one off the top of my head, Paige Pierce not going to the Las Vegas challenge. So right off the bat, kind of like that strategy with taking Paige over Kristen to get those extra events backfired a little bit just because she missed and you know, I did touch on my draft guide. It didn't include projections. So that's one thing I would really like to dial down for next year is getting projections. You know, Johnny talked a little bit about using the PDGA page to look at their upcoming events. But um, I will get into just kind of using that for for setting lineups. But, you know, missed out on um, I just to think, think a few things with that that preview that I would like to get into more of the course previews. I think I got Millennium and Infinite switched up in the preview in terms of what MPO and FPO were playing. So missed on that. Didn't really touch on the weather conditions because it was early in the week. But usually, yeah, Las Vegas is a little windy. So just a, li- a, li- a few things I would have liked to have touched on that I didn't get to. Um, the prize picks. I did do those on Twitter and, you know, did them the first two days. Got five out of six. But being in Missouri... Um, just kind of decided that it really the prize picks isn't what I wanted to focus on. You know, I did the fantasy because I really felt there was a a need for it. You know, really felt there was a need for the season long fantasy analysis out there. But there's you know, hitting the line podcast is dedicated to doing prize picks for fantasy disc golf. So um, you know, I was trying to do all things fantasy disc golf, but 
you know, there's already a, like, that need is already being filled. And I think they're doing a great job. So I don't feel the need to step in, especially being in Missouri and not profiting on those picks. Uh, definitely kind of kills the drive for it. So I'm going to take a step back on the prize picks. But was it was uh, happy to get five out of six for those first two events. And, you know, might have to make the drive over to Kansas before some of these tournaments to to get some picks in um, throughout the year because definitely those first two days, I think the lines were easier to gauge. And then that third day, I was like, ooh, this is a tough one. So, yeah, I was happy with, overall happy with the the way the first week went. Uh, just think that, you know, that LVC, we're going to call that that first throw off the tee, um, a little early release, and Waco should should be a lot better. So, yeah, we'll look to improve. We got we to gotta talk about lineup setting. So this was the first week and I think we really get it got got to get locked in on getting our lineup set cuz that's the big thing in fantasy sports is setting your lineup. And this is I'm coming doing this on a Monday morning and I was so distracted with disc golf yesterday that I left Damian Lillard's I don't know how much exactly he got what 72 points last night. One of my leagues I left him on my bench and I am hurting today like my soul right now is absolutely crushed I cannot believe I've mentioned Damian Lillard's one of my favorite players and I had him in uh, I have him in two leagues one of them I had him started thank goodness but another roto league somehow I had him on my bench and and just didn't get him in there in time and had a 72 point performance just on my bench that I totally missed out on and um you know that's part of fantasy is setting lineups I know some people uh, missed out on getting lineups with a quick draft turnaround. So just want to dial in on what we need to do to set our lineups and what I'll be looking to do to help with lineup setting. So looking at skip base, skip base does have, it looks like a little bit more leniency. Um, I don't know the exact time frame, but it looks like you can make lineup picks day of. Heiser base, they had it at m- like midnight and then they changed it to 7 a.m. local time for you to make your picks. And then on your card, the markets close at midnight. So what I would say is I think all of us as fantasy managers have to get into the habit of making picks the night before. You know, like, yeah, Heiser base and skip base, you could do it the day of. But I think really getting into the habit of making the picks the night before will save you a lot of trouble. And then if you want to make any last minute adjustments, just do it the day of. You know, if you have price picks you want to do, check the weather and, and do it the day of. But that's another thing with the price picks is I saw Owen's line change on, like, one of my picks. She had a line at, her line was 64, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. And then it looks like the next day when I saw someone post, it was at 65 and a half. So I probably would have backed off, um, but that could be something to consider is just the timing of those price picks. I know I'm not doing them, but that was just one thing I noticed uh, with the price picks. But... In terms of setting your lineups, I definitely do say do the night before and then double check the PDGA page to see if the person is still registered or not. Cody Kirkland, man, I had him on my starts list last week and I like I can't confirm or deny that I f- saw that he was scheduled, but I could have sworn he was scheduled to play LVC. And uh, he dropped out. So I only had him in my on your card picks. I did. He was a thousand dollars on there. But I mean, I got a big fat zero for that. So 
that was definitely disappointing. So lineup setting, this is a big part of fantasy. You got to do it. I just say the day before the tournament, make sure to tune into my show, see what kind of uh, streamers we're going to be looking at, who we're going to be targeting to play that week, and then get your lineup set that evening. Okay, a little pep talk because I know I know it's a big part of fantasy, just getting those lineups set, <laughs> set. So just have it night before. Don't wait till the day of. Night before, we'll get it. Uh, get those lineups locked in. And uh, that's step one. Step one of winning your week is making sure you have players playing in your lineup. All right, now to touch on the takeaways from the Las Vegas Challenge and I'm going to try to keep this as uh, fantasy relevant as possible. You know, we had uh, Katrina Allen and Calvin Heimberg take away the victories. Um, just some takeaways on the FPO side. You had Paige Shu come back and miss the cut. You know, I had her in one of my leagues as a replacement for Paige Pierce, and it was the the content creators league with the scaling point system and she got me negative 250 points for this week so that really hurt uh it was definitely a like from watching her play on the lead card the first round a lot of wind the wind for sure messed with her and and really wasn't able to bounce back so i'm not panicking on page but definitely a uh, a disappointing start evelina and henna evelina really fell off she missed the cut but henna was able to put together a nice performance uh she was ended tied for fourth with ella hansa at 13 down and you know watching the first round with henna it almost feel it felt like she like her putt was looking pretty decent um definitely like almost looked like there was definitely some higher potential there. Like her her putt was looking a bit better for the first round, but like she really was only eighteen of twenty one on day one putting in circle one, but just one of four for C one X. So really, most of those putts coming within the within the uh, the three meters. But for the tournament, she was 14 of 34 from C1X, which was good for 41%. It was 51st. She was 0 for 17 from C2. So possibly, uh, you know, we'll get into buy lows and sell sell highs. But, you know, her putt, her and Evelina's putt just haven't been able to figure it out. She was top in throwing categories she was first in strokes gained t to green second in fairway hits first in parked percentage first in c1 in regulation first c2 in regulation second in birdie percentage so you know henna and evelina definitely showing they have the uh, talent off the green and um you know looking at henna's put a little bit it was looking like it had some promise but Looking at diving, diving into the numbers, yeah, this these putts are just uh, pretty rough. So honestly, I think Hannah, w- just with her schedule, um, you know, having more of the European events, and you know, this is definitely one of the better courses for her. Potential sell high for for Hannah. I don't, you know, that those putting numbers aren't really showing 
a lot of progress. I guess it was windy, so now that affected it, but um, potential sell high after after this event for Henna. Rebecca Cox got off to a hot start. She was at the lead card after the um, first round and kind of sizzled out. She ended up finishing 17th at this event. So I uh, heard some talk about her really working on her form. And she started off hot. Um, a few missed putts low on that lead card of second round. And just seems like she kind of sizzled out, but um, still definitely high on Rebecca for the the rest of the year. She definitely got off to a hot start, and I think she'll she'll have a solid year. So um, that was a, a good performance. Saw uh, Paige obviously was disappointing. Evelina missing the cut was disappointing. Those were two of the bigger stinkers. You had Sayananda and Ali Smith, who were kind of my sleeper show out a little bit. Um, Sai, I think she got off to a little bit of a slower start, and just looking at more of her game a little bit, like watching the um, USWDGC last year, definitely seems like she favors more of the touchy turnover uh, shots. So like in a a windy conditions, a lot of distance, you know, need power to fight through that wind. Uh, I think, you know, she finished 26, which is not bad, cons- like looking at her game. So, but Sai for sure, I would definitely um, not panic if you were anticipating maybe like top 10, top 20. Um, I just think the conditions in the course didn't work like work in her favor this week. So, But I was encouraged to see her still make the cut and finish inside the top 30. Allie Smith was uh, one that this was like, I thought this was a good course for her. Um, so she placed 25th, which is decent given the situation. We'll definitely look at her as an ad. I think if you have an open roster stock, depending on how deep your roster is, um, she's definitely one with her schedule ramping up. She kind of, you know, she hit the mark, made the cut we were looking for for this first event. So was happy about that. Aria Costruida had a nice event. She was tied 17th this event. So she could be another one you look at at Waco and uh, open at Austin coming up if you got her on waivers. So... Katrina Allen, she seems real confident in where she's at in her game. She seems in a good place mentally. Mentioned in her press conference, being able to get more distance. I've heard people talk about her changing her brace um, a bit. So she's able to, yeah, get that extra distance without that, like, I guess, pause on the the reach back before the the brace. But yeah, I'm not a form expert, but it seems like there's a slight tweak in Kat's form that's getting her some extra distance. So, like, maybe going into next year, looking at these projections, there was, like, a... I can't remember what article recently talking about how Kat is actually a bigger, you know, competitor to Kristen Tatar overall dominance uh, as opposed to necessarily Paige Pierce. Honestly, next year, I'm honestly thinking about... Like, maybe Kristen Tatar, Katrina Allen, and Paige Pierce should be closer aligned in a tier than perhaps uh, Paige Pierce or, or Kristen Tatar being really considered the front runners in fantasy. So uh, that's just a kind of an early takeaway I'm having is is uh, I think Kat could be in for a really, really nice year from a fantasy perspective. And, you know, LVC, she's dominated. So, you know, not going to get too crazy uh but it's definitely nice seeing her get away with a a really nice 
when to start, and she was dominating going into the final round. So doing it in a uh, dominant fashion is encouraging. Switching to the MPO side a little bit, Luke Humphreys, I had on the sits list, and he made me regret it. He got off to a real hot start, ended up finished, tied 27, but, you know, like, (laughs) when... When we seeing him that first day, I kind of tweeted like, yeah, dude, he's really feeling himself. And he was really feeling himself. So someone mentioned he really likes the the Las Vegas course. And I mean, I guess, you know, I've had him on the sit list just because his performance after Wake on LVC last year wasn't fantastic. He really faded off. But like if someone's saying he really loves this course and, you know, Raven Newsom always talks about how C2 is like a lot of confidence. So if... Luke Humphreys loves Las Vegas, got a lot of confidence, three of six on the C2 putting to start. So if it's a course he really likes, I think maybe just roll with it. Uh, um, but still, like I, I kind of like in line, like I think the thinking was in the right mindset. Like, yeah, let's not overreact to his performance last year, but also saw something where it was like his hottest rounds, two of his like top 5% tile rounds were at lvc so two of his hottest rounds ever have been at lvc so maybe he's just a lvc specific you know like next week i'm still a little iffy on even starting him at waco but i guess i didn't realize how much he <laughs> loved the lvc courses so luke humphreys um you know i don't not super kicking myself for having him on the sit list because he finished 27th but you know, if he would have finished top five, top 10 for sure would have been kicking myself. But I mean, I uh, definitely learned a little bit about Luke's love for Vegas uh, on this one. So next year, for sure, going to probably have him on the start list again. Some big news, Gavin Babcock and Big Germ had some do not fin- did not finish. Uh, didn't see what happened with Big Germ, but did see Babcock like went up into a tree to get his disc, fell four feet, landed on a rock, twisted his ankle, couldn't finish, is about to be out for a month. So, I mean, this is kind of what we were talking about with skip base and IR. Injuries do happen and from an outside perspective. Probably looking at how this injury happened compared to other sports injury. It's probably um, get a little bit of a chuckle, but I mean, stuff happens. So, you know, this is why you have IR. So luckily you can um, definitely saying like put Babcock in your IR. Don't even wait. You know, just put him in your IR now. You're probably not going to feel good about starting him, even if he does try to come back early in a couple weeks. You know, we have two weeks to Waco. So you're really for sure missing Waco and open at Austin with him. But put him in IR and get a high upside waiver ad for sure. And then Big Germ, I'll have to look into what his do not finish uh, was. But um, other takeaways, AB, <clears throat> he almost... He was he was looking good coming into the final round, and you had Katrina Allen hit a cart. You had AB hit that person, which I thought he was a spectator at first, and I about lost my mind. Lost my mind. I was like, what is the spectator? But I still don't know what his who he was. Like he was right behind the camera guy. I don't know if he was the spectator, just trying to get a better view behind the camera guy, or what his role was, but I could not believe. AB hit that dude and he ended up in the hazard and you just saw him just completely derail after that happened, you know, missing short putts and missing his lines on his drives. Uh, he just, uh, it's, I mean, there was one of those ones is 
you can't control, obviously, and it's a really bad break, but he's got to find a way to bounce back, you know, got to find a way to bounce back. That's just that mental game that he's going to have to develop. So, uh, it was, you know, that's kind of actually, I thought it was interesting is, is AB's progression in the mental game. He fell apart after that happened. So we'll look to see if he can like toughen up mentally and be able to bounce back any kind of through any kind of those adversities happen in their final round. Cause you know, it's just like final round. It's no excuses. You got to do whatever it takes to win. And if that kind of thing happens, you just got to course correct and adjust and keep going forward. And he just got so in his head and was just so off after that. So, uh, disappointed ended up being kind of a two man race. Paul was chasing close. And then he had like a, uh, I don't know how far, 20, 25 feet, slightly uphill, wind going crazy, putted it into a hazard, derailed a bit of momentum, hit a goose later, (laughs) but he was charging, Drew Gibson was charging, he had a crazy, I think it was 16, just a crazy turnover shot to get it parked, but just, uh, you know, Philo mentioned just ran out of holes, he was just charging so hot but just ran out of holes and he was making me nervous as my survivor pick I think he was like tied 38th or something going in the second round and or the third round and uh the last two rounds dude he just turned it on so happy about uh Drew at least making that survive that survivor cut but yeah wasn't able to quite get the victor but he made a charge Ganem Burr um you know I had him on my grip six pick six picks and he ended up finishing 30th so I mean he was second last year 30th isn't terrible I don't you're not gonna panic on on Ganon Burr or anything but I think I did underestimate this whole prodigy situation going on like when we're talking about the courtesy violation um, I really just thought the talent level would surpass any kind of any kind of like mental hit this would take on his game, you know. I really thought his talent would surpass it. He was dialing down his bag, talking on uh, the Brody and Paul show about just getting his bag dialed down to like eight discs, feeling good about throwing overstable discs and just dialing his game down. So, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too concerned, but I definitely think he could take a slight hit this year just until this situation goes away. Um, I mean, yeah, I thought the talent would surpass it, but dude, he is 17. So, I mean, it, this is going to take a toll. It sounds like, uh, from what it sounded like on his interview, the situation should be resolved in the next month or two. So maybe until then he's kind of like a, takes a slight hit. I don't know if you could toss a buy low out there offer out there. If anyone is panicking a little bit, uh, definitely. Yeah. I would say that's worth a shot. I haven't gotten into the buy lows. And sell highs yet, but that could be a nice buy low is Gannon if people are panicking on his situation. I think once that's resolved, you'll see him focus purely on disc golf and be able to get back to that elite level. But let's get into some buy lows and sell highs. So some or this is a good time to to if there's some players that you missed out on draft day, maybe this could be a good time to put in some 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 offers and try to get your your team rounded out because you never know how how uh, managers might be panicking or overreacting so um, I'm going to start off with an 
reverse buy low is Ricky Wysocki. So in my draft guide, I had him as an early sell high candidate because he starts off with usually a hot start in Las Vegas, Texas States, Waco. And then I was like, sell high because you never know if there's the risk of the line flare up. <laughs> well, sure enough, start of the year, line flare up, Mrs. LVC. So kind of taking a reverse strategy on this. Maybe there's a sell high or a buy low opportunity because A, people might be concerned about the line flare up and B, the whole the whole mental thing with him and Paul at the All-Stars. People might be thinking Ricky's kind of wussing out a little bit and, and this might you know, this might happen again, just like if there's an event that Paul's at that maybe, you know, he doesn't feel great at, maybe he might pull out with like a, oh, my wrist hurts, line flare up. I mean, that's just kind of the chatter I've heard, but I think it's a legitimate concern if if that's the public perception out there. Personally, I think, yeah, he missed this event. That's one event he, that's one line flare up that's out of the way, like not to say it's not going to happen again, but like, Really, his line flare, you feel like it's happened like once or twice a year. So, I mean, it's, I'm just saying this could be a good uh, reverse from our initial draft guy strategy. Re- we're thinking we're going to sell high. He didn't make it. Maybe it's an opportunity to buy low. Uh, Isaac Robinson, huge stinker. Huge stinker. What he plays, 82nd. Killed my industry league. My industry league uh, in skip base. I was doing so good, but Isaac Robinson really, really killed me. I'm you, this is a, you're not going to do anything with this. You're not going to sell him. You're not going to get any kind of value back that that would warrant selling him after this kind of performance. He'll be better in the in the let's say more of a Woods player. He's just backhand dominant. Definitely touchy, almost kind of like Saiga a little bit. I guess touchy turnover shots and whatnot. Maybe this wind. And he didn't play the event last year, so I think uh, if you want to, I think if you want to buy low on Isaac for sure, put in an offer and see if anyone's panicking. If you're a manager of Isaac, um, it would have to be a fair offer. I definitely wouldn't do anything drastic after this. I mean, you're just gonna have to take that hit. I mean, when we look back at the total fantasy value at the end, this one's gonna hurt bad. Uh, but the damage is already done, so. You've already taken that hit. I pray he's not finishing outside the top 75 again for the rest of the year. I mean, that was just so bad. Um, I took him over James Conrad. And I mean, like he still has the upside. It just, this was a tough one. So, you know, maybe James was a little more safe on the variation in terms of like having a big blow up like this. But yeah, uh, with Isaac, I just think, if you really wanted them, I think this is the perfect opportunity to put a buy low in offer. Um, maybe a, I'm trying to think, you could do like a Chris Clemens. He actually, cool, Chris Clemens was a buy low. He finished 69 at LVC, um, but he placed poorly at LVC last year as well. So that's another one where I'm not really panicking. I think you could buy low on Chris Clemens right here if anyone's panicking. Um, Thomas Gilbert was one I had on my start list that I thought for sure would do well here, but he finished 77th. So a lot of people were high on Thomas coming in. So I have a feeling you're going to have a tough time trying to buy low just because most people, I think if they were high on Thomas coming in are going to stick through this performance, but he's another guy at 77. Um, 
you would expect him to do better here. But yeah, it was a t- uh, don't know exactly what happened to Thomas. I don't know if it was the wind or whatnot, but for sure, tough, tough round for him. Um, talked about size. She like did fine, but maybe not like the top level performance that you would expect from her. So she could be a a buy low if you want to use. Um, trying to think if like a Rebecca Cox would be a good offer right there. I'm pretty high on Rebecca, so I don't know if I'd want to offer Rebecca for Cy, but I think she's definitely a buy low. Evelina had a really terrible, she was outside the cut. 30. This is one of the ones she for sure should have crushed out so the wind with her putting. I kind of touched on how there's a lot of roll away risk with LVC. You know, if you hit any of these baskets with the wind and roll, you have a comebacker. She was for sure at danger of having lots of extra strokes. So this could be another a good buy low offer for Evelina. Um, Paige Shue and Juliana Corver. Juliana Corver finished 43rd. And she was definitely, like, she was the ideal combo pick I had with Kristen Tatar. But she had an average finish around 10 with that pairing with Kristen Tatar. So this is what I'm talking about when you're streaming with like I had a stream for Paige missing and I used Paige Shoe and that bit me. If you used Juliana Corver to stream for Kristen Tatar, it probably came back and bit you on this one. So, I mean, this is where like in the fantasy rankings, those total values really come into play. Because if you're streaming for Kristen or Valerie or Paige and you used Paige Shoe or Juliana Corver, you definitely took some hits this week. So... Uh, definitely kind of emphasizing, I think, the importance of total fantasy value is is even a, even our ideal streaming target with Juliana Corver for Kristen ended up biting us. So it's a tricky formula to figure out. Hopefully you had a stronger, I guess, roster to fill in that position. But that's a, that was a tough one. Um, but yeah, so Juliana Corver, I think, again, this is like a windy event, uh, ho- longer distance for sure she's master's level so i mean she's definitely a great buy low candidate she'll for sure um will do better than 43rd and then um sell high i have drew gibson is going to be a sell high candidate i he this is one of the best events for him he he had an average finish of 28.75 last year over the remaining 12 skip base events after Las Vegas challenge. So you could, I think maybe waiting till like after OTB or Portland open could also be a nice opportunity. But I think right now, you know, he had that crazy run at the end to, to sneak into the, the top five at LVC. So I think uh, Drew Gibson's a perfect sell high candidate right now. If you can get, one of those top tier guys um like if you could maybe Joel Freeman did pretty good and he's been pretty targeted but like a Joel a Chris 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 Clemens actually I would do for sure Drew Gibson for Chris Clemens um if you want to sell high on Drew Gibson I would do that for for uh Chris Clemens so there you go there's a there is a sell high offer Right there, and then Hena Blomroof. So I'm going to touch on again with this course. I mean, her putting was so bad, and she still managed top five. But I think with their schedule, 
like Annalena Henna, if you can secure a player who just plays it, like to get those total events so you don't have to stream for a lot. Um, so that's definitely the early sell highs. I, the sell highs right now, because a lot of the guys that finished the top were definitely players you'd expect to do well this year. So, but those are those are a couple of the sell highs um, I'm definitely looking uh, at. In terms of, and then let's get into some ads drops holds watch list i think we got to start with your waiver wire because uh today so let's let's talk a little bit about the the waivers so um for skip ace it's gonna be a you know monday is when you put in your waiver claims and then tuesday will be the day you get them so uh, i'm gonna have this episode i'm doing this on a monday i'm gonna try to release it today so you could get your waiver picks in and You'll either have that waiver rolling priority or the budget system where you have to put in a bid. And I always recommend early in the year, if there's a candidate you really, really like, I try to use like probably like 15 to 20% of my budget, maybe 25. Depends really on who the person is you're targeting. But I don't mind using a lot of my budget early to get that roster solidified. So uh, a big guy I'm looking at was a Johnny Sleeper. So I'm not going to take credit for this one, but I will give a shout out to Johnny. Zach Arlinghouse had a seventh place finish at LVC in the final round. He had a streak of 10 birdies or better in a row. So there was nine birdies with an eagle mixed in there. So crazy stretch from Zach on final day to move inside the top 10. If Johnny's got him on your sleeper list, I say go for it if he's available on waivers give an ad um i didn't i don't know too much about his game i know he's from kentucky i've seen him a bit i thought he was like a better woods golfer but dude to place top 10 at lvc that's impressive so definitely give him a look on waivers connor rock is a name that stuck out to me he was at goat hill he got seventh there um kind of tall lanky skinny frame um but real i want to say omen like but like kind of not as slow as Omen, but just controlled. Um, but he got 14th at LVC. So he's playing Waco and open at Austin coming up. Um, Goat Hill and LVC are definitely more open courses. So I'm curious to see if his game stacks up at, at maybe this this mixed, you know, the beast mixed open wood. We'll see if his game is able to stack up. But he could be a deep, deep uh, snag um, really looking at. Connor Rock's game. Uh, Kevin Kiefer, he was, what, 30th on this one? I had him on my fantasy feature card. I've talked about him on the Young Guns. Definitely like his game. If he's still available, depending on how deep your league is, I think you need to give him a look. Him and Stacey Haas just got engaged, so shout out to another disc golf couple getting <laughs> engaged. Uh, they posted that like right before LVC, so um, Kevin Kiefer, if he's still on waivers, definitely keep a an eye out for him um there was clint calvin who was a name i really wasn't familiar with touched a little bit about him on uh like he had a crazy what 11 down round two but he was 0 for 9 from c2 on that um but you know some guys had mentioned on twitter that uh they've seen him and the guy can absolutely smash so um he's a i'm having him on the watch list um you know, he didn't place, it was inside like the top 60 at all last year. So I'm not going to react too hard to this one, but that was a name that popped up. I haven't really seen in the leaderboard. Um, 
I'm going to have him on my watch list. Ty Love, uh, he had a great performance. He was 39th at LVC. But his next registered event is not until April. So I'm going to have him on the watch list. He's from the Oregon area. A lot of potential, but uh, I think his schedule right now is is not too favorable. Uh, Robert Burridge, if he's still out there on waivers, he got 30th. And uh, I know Evan mentioned him as like kind of a quintessential boom or bust candidate. And I kind of agreed. I'm still a little nervous to necessarily have him. Um, but I mean, he's been playing with a lot of the Lone Star people, um, getting more guys on their team, uh, hearing more things about the Lone Star plastic. So who knows, this could be a breakout year and this could be like the opportunity to get in on him early because you might miss out. So I think he really should be a, if you have a deeper league and you have a spot like available for him, I think he's a nice upside pick because I think he could. If you see him start stringing together some nice finishes, he could get on a nice run. So um, I'm really curious to see more of his game. He really had that, you know, broke out at DMC last year, but curious to see if he's having a, able to have like a more consistent year this year. Hannah, I'm going to say her name wrong. Hunya, I had her on the, I've mentioned her a few times. Chris Clemens, significant other, the dark ace apparel leader. Um, she finished 22nd at LVC and most of her game I've just seen on Instagram um, just her throws but I like her attitude I like her game Um, she played well here so I think this is really going to be her first I believe full year on tour so she's kind of one I really want to add from a fun and good like uh, skill perspective I think you know she's playing with Chris gets um, enhanced that skill so She's do, uh, definitely a name on the FPO side. It just depends how deep your FPO rosters are because my FPO teams were pretty stacked, didn't really have a lot of extra roster spots. So don't go dropping anyone like real valuable for Hannah, but I definitely think she is worth a snag. Allie Smith was uh, another one. She, you know, this was the one I was expecting her to do pretty well. And I think she finished around 25th, 26th. So. You know, she. Uh, you could put her on a watch list if she's still out there. Um, definitely, I think bigger, longer courses is where I'd be targeting her. But that's definitely a name to keep on your watch list. And then Anakin Steen, she and Allie both got off to kind of a slow start at LVC. I was looking at their numbers. I was a bit worried, but she bounced back. I watched a bit of her press conference, um, and it seems like she does like a lot of like mental work. She was a former like figure skater track athlete so has an athletic background the back-to-back pcs sula open champ so a nice option for the fpo side for not only kind of an a bit uh beginning of the year swing but also getting that that those european events for pcs sula and european open she does have waco open at austin champions cup coming up so she will do all that up to otp open before going back to europe so uh, i think anakin steen could definitely be a player to add up until otb open and then stash an ir until the pcs sula open comes up and then uh caroline henderson popped out she is a newer player she got 26th in one silver series last year 
I then this is something I keep butchering. I keep calling them silver series still. They're silver events. I'm gonna try to get better about that. She got 26 and one silver event last year. Got ninth at LVC this year, so she's playing in Waco and Open in Austin upcoming. Uh, she's gonna be. I'm gonna have her on the watch list. Like I just don't know really anything about her game, but I've heard just some people on Twitter are saying some good things and she placed top 10 in her first event this year. So like, it's just too early for me to have her on the ad list. Cause I think there's just too many other good options for the FPO side, but she is a name that I have on my watch list for sure. Going to get into some of the results from the picks that we made this weekend. Uh, price picks. I kind of touched on, won't be doing that anymore, but one out of two on day one with Corey Ellis and Ezra Robin, or Isaac Robinson missed Isaac by one stroke. We got day two four for four with Garrett Gerthy, Ezra, KJ on the under, touched on owns over. Um, you know, I doubt anyone really put in some picks on that advice. So, well, if you did, hopefully you made a little bit of money, got a little bit of diss. But, you know, like I mentioned, definitely check out Hitting the Line on the prize picks um i want to focus on the season long going forward the grip six pick six my picks were drew gibson which i put as a replacement for page pierce i mean that kind of worked out he ended up it wasn't looking good but he made a nice run to finish it out it looks like the winning score was a 16 there was quite a few you had a lineup of Katrina Allen, Heimberg, Drew Gibson, Missy Gannon, Macbeth, and Hanley. It looks like your best score would have been like a combination of Calvin, Ezra, KJ, Kyle, Drew, and then Katrina Allen. Katrina Allen had a four-stroke lead on Missy Gannon, whereas um, there was three strokes separation between drew gibson and calvin so yeah your winning would have been calvin ezra kj kyle drew and cat um i came in 927th position with a score of 37 i got calvin and katrina allen as the winners drew gibson had three points so that worked out great uh the gannon burr got me 14 points he was my lowest score as i mentioned i just underestimated i think this this whole prodigy contract situation uh nico i was expecting to kind of come out hot and that was definitely a, a a bit of a fan pick i probably should have put a little bit more thought into that one i just really i just went like almost storyline on this one i really thought nico was going to come out hot but you know we will be looking at him and at, at waco for sure he's definitely has crushed it at the beast so i'm not going to shy away from him next week We'll probably still be looking at him as my survivor pick. And then uh, Haley King finished 11 strokes back a cat. Yeah, again, kind of storyline. I thought she would. I thought Cat was going to win, but I thought there would be like maybe one person right there, maybe pushing, but it wasn't Haley King. But luckily, Haley was still able to get that survivor line. So did go two for two on the survivor picks. We got Drew Gibson and Haley King both um, finishing inside the top 15 drew gibson was fourth and we had Haley king was sixth so had some room to spare on those 
and the on your card my strategy did not work out as well as I would have liked the Cody Kirkland one for sure hurt looking at my roster Sayananda's value went up 155 so hers went from like 1,11.55 and then Allie Smith went up to 142. Hers went up 142 points. Just She's at 11.42. But like, yeah, Jake Hebenheimer's went 307. I guess I just really expected like Cy and Allie's values to change more. I think I'm going to hold on to Sai in my on your card rosters. I mean, she still has a, what, 1155 value. So I think there's still a lot of room to grow. She didn't crush it at this event. I think she still has a lot of upside. So I'm probably going to hold on to Sai and sell Allie, Cody, and my free league. I also had Tristan Tanner, and his value went up 193. Um, we'll get into the points that they got me. So, yeah, they didn't give me a ton of points this first week. Definitely at the bottom of the board on the points. Uh, I think that strategy backfired a bit. I was really hoping those values would bump up a ton. But um, definitely going to do I'm going to have to change strategy on the on your card and make up some points now. So I'll probably hold on to Cy, sell Tristan and... Cody Kirkland, obviously. Cody didn't work out. So, um, yeah, I got some points to make up on On Your Card. My strategy, having Cody Kirkland get me zero points for sure hurt. And then the values on a Cy and Alley just didn't go up as much as I thought they would. So, um, got some work to do on On Your Card. The uh, Just a little other segment. Uh, I'm going to do like a fantasy spit out. My fantasy spit outs for this week are Isaac Robinson, just the bad performers, tied 82nd, and then Evelina Solonen at 33. You could put Juliana Corver there as a as a, as one too. And then my fantasy gym, I got Zach Arlinghouse with his 7th place finish and then Carolina Henderson getting that ninth place finish for FPO. Those were your fantasy gyms and spitouts. Looking at um skip ace event leagues my team got killed by cody kirkland um i had colton montgomery tristan tanner garrett gerthy nico luke sampson cody kirkland all of them were fine except cody kirkland got me negative 250 so that was a bummer and my content creators league i got ooh last place this week that's rough Really looks like the page shoe minus 250 killed me. And Industry League, I got fourth, and that was Isaac Robinson really killing me on that one. The rest of my squad did pretty solid. Um, Luke Sampson was a good plug in for Albert Tom, which was disappointing that Albert didn't do better. So I got a lot of work to do. The first week uh, did not go great. And we, you know, you don't, you don't win your fantasy league in the first week, but you definitely want to get off to a hot start. And unfortunately, I think with uh, the drafts and whatnot, I uh, definitely got more focused on those um, than 
crushing Las Vegas. So tried out some different strategies and didn't exactly work out. So we got we to gotta gear up to pick up the pace for the rest of the season, make up this deficit. So uh, going into to the drafts, I'm going to transition into some some reactions from the the content creators draft that was done uh last week and first off the bat uh felt super bad for the disc golf chick not getting Kristen Tatar I really should have led off with what Johnny mentioned with drafting is using your search bar if you type FPO into the search bar and this is something that you guys could do with free agents it'll pull up all the FPO players so I kicked off the draft. I feel like I didn't get like I asked questions before I asked if anyone had questions before we started the recording, but um just making sure that she knew FPO players were available. Anyway, um started off with Paul, but yeah, I just felt a little bad she got kinda thrown off with the FPO. So that's just something I'm gonna learn as being a host, making sure my uh guest because a lot of people, you know, this is their first experience with fantasy disc golf. So um just as a host, I think I had some improvement doing on laying the groundwork as well as uh, shutting up <laughs> throughout the show. Just, I don't know if I need to turn on mute or something while people are talking, but, you know, I don't want this to be so much a like my turn, their turn talk. I wanted to have it be a natural flow, but I got a little fanboy. I don't know how much people are loving the interactions I guess uh, I feel like I did talk a bit too much and on my picks didn't get as much into the analysis on the draft guide as maybe I would have liked to so uh, you know it was a fun time you know I had a fun with the drafts that was really the goal especially that second one was really bringing the fan to fantasy Um, just talking just talking some fandom and and a lot of people's first experience with fantasy just kind of laying um, getting that experience for them and just having a good draft. I thought we had a great mix of different content creators. You know, Emily going FPO, working hard on her competitive game. You have Courtesy Violation, Trevor and Gibbs. Absolutely hilarious guys. And and really, uh, I mean, they play a lot. They know the game well, too. So um, we had Quentin from Cloud9. The disc dies. Uh, good to catch up with the uh, old friend I met on, you know, playing disc golf and um we had Ben who does some course videos kind of a newer content creator as well who's super super nice guy and really like his stuff and then Mr. Dis from Disc Golf Around he's doing a bunch of stuff with his blog so I thought we had a really nice mix I'm not kicking myself really too much on any of my picks um going back through the dra- through the draft I'm really the only one at the end is when I took Raven Newsom over Presnell you could you know, Prez, I said for sure you should take Prez, and I'm honestly thinking about take, picking him up over Raven just because I got off to such a bad start. So maybe that's the only one I'm probably going to put in a, a add-on. But oh, overall, I thought the draft went great. I was able to get KJ and Matty O and Paige to start. So I think I'll, I'll have a better year. This first week was rough. That negative 250 for Paige Shoe is just killing like. The negative 250 is what I was scared about, and for good reason. So uh, it'll be fun getting more, I guess, experience with both of those different settings. But uh, first week's in the books, and, and yeah, it was 
first throw off the tee. It was it was a rough one, and we're doing our next throw at Waco. It's a long season, guys. We have a lot of room to 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 make up ground. So if you got off to a slow start, don't kick yourself too hard. We got plenty of room to make things up. All right. It was great, really fun first week. Uh, great showdown coming down to Calvin and KJ at the end. Really thought we were going to have a playoff. Uh, didn't even watch the final round of FPO yet. The I, I got a round of disc golf in Sunday morning. I had to, you know, you know how it goes. Long week. Got to get that. Got to get that round in. So still have some catching up on FPO. I definitely thought Cat had it in the bag, but looks like there was a little bit of drama. So great, great first weekend. LVC disc golf is here. We have a couple weeks. I'm going to be getting down into the nitty gritty of um, starting to get these fantasy rankings going. For the different platforms, Heiser Base, Skip Base, on your card, get some different rankings going. Um, so two weeks from now, we really have a better idea of maybe who some of the fringe roster players are for the start sits. So, I mean, great first week. Really excited for Disc Golf to be here, and we'll look to step it up on chill disc days to help you guys crush your fantasy disc golf leagues. That will do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and may all your bogeys become birdies.